We'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We'll continue, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. We've been going verse by verse, passage by passage. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. That's what we see, and we'll see it as he offers himself to the Jewish people. He is, of course, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one who will rule the world in righteousness and justice. We're in the early part of his ministry. Uh, he is uh, near the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. It's a long sloping hill. He has already picked out of all these people that have been following him, picked out 12. Some people call them disciples. At this point, he actually calls them apostles, and he is teaching them, and this big crowd is surrounded. And so he's got these guys that he's teaching, but all these people around, religious leaders there, regular people are there, just everybody. And Jesus is giving instruction on how we're to live as those who belong to the kingdom of God. And we call this the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's great teaching. Now, what we've seen over the, over the weeks, we've seen since we started this, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. All three chapters deal with the Sermon on the Mount. And what we've seen is what, what we call the improper view of the law, because he says religious leaders always look to the external, while Jesus Christ said internal and external. And then we saw the improper practice of the law, because the religious leaders did what they wanted to do so that people would see them. So when they gave, they wanted people to see them give. When they prayed, they wanted to see people... Uh, see them pray. And when they fasted, they wanted that. Jesus said, don't do that. Do that for God to see you. And then we're now into the what we call the proper view of the law and where Jesus is going to talk about different things. He's going to talk about prayer. He's going to talk about the golden rule. He's going to talk about what we call the two ways, the two gates, the two trees. That, and we'll see it as we, as we go through it. So there's a lot there. So let me give you just kind of a breakdown of the outline of our passage. This is more than this morning, but it's this little section here. In 7 through 11, we're going to see, he's going to talk about prayer. It's a very famous passage. Then the golden rule in 712. And then he starts talking about what we call two ways. And he has two gates, two trees, two professions, and two foundations. And this morning, we're really just going to get to the two gates. And next week, we'll see the trees, professions, foundations. We'll put all that together. But he talks about there's, there's really two ways you can go. How, how do you get to the Father, so to speak? How do you get into the kingdom? And so this morning, we're going to look at that. This morning, it's the prayer, the golden rule, and the two gates. So there's a lot there as we look at it. You know, when you think about it, we talk about children, and we love children, and we, you see them running out the door, and it's just so exciting to watch that. And we know they're gifts from God. Psalm, Psalm 127 says, the, you know, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the room is a reward. We have great responsibilities as parents, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not make your children angry, but bring them up in the training, the admonition of the Lord. So there's so many great things. And as parents, we all feel like, like we fail somehow. You know, we said we're trying the best we can. We want to do what's good. And, and so how do we respond when our kids ask for things, when they want something? And we want the best for them. We want to give them what we say is the best. So they may come up and say, can I have this? We have to really think about it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy. In today's passage, Jesus says something about prayer, and he ties it back into like a heavenly father. And it's really an encouragement because he actually says this. He says, if we... As mamas and daddies, and we're fallen people, if we know how to give good things to our kids when they ask for things, how much more will our Heavenly Father? We as fallen people, if we do good for our kids, what will our Heavenly Father do for us? And, and the truth is this, we can come boldly to God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can bring our requests and our petitions because he, as the perfect father, will give us what we need. Now, notice I said he will give us what we need, not necessarily what we want, 
Well, we've been, we did a study that for a pretty good while, 18 lessons in our grow group on prayer, and we said that sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is wait, but every one of those answers are what's very best, and so we can come to the Father because he's our perfect Father who'll give us what we need. As we continue, Jesus is going to talk about prayer, and he's going to talk about some other things, and let me just kind of break it down. In 7 through 11, it's the issue of prayer, and then in verse 12 is the golden rule. Everybody's heard of the golden rule, do unto others as you'd want them to do to you. And when you look at it in this passage, it doesn't say it exactly like that. We'll talk about it more. And then in verses, there it is, 13 and 14, he talks about access to the kingdom, two gates. And we'll talk about that. And he says there's a narrow way and a broad way. So let's talk, let's see how that fits together. Now, he's already talked about prayer. He's already showed them how to pray. We've already seen the Lord's Prayer. He's already said that when you pray, don't do it out where everybody can see you. That's not the plan. If your purpose in praying is somebody can see you, he said you already have your reward. But this morning, when he talks about prayer, he talks about continuing in prayer. Now, sometimes we say, oh, Lord, I want this, or oh, Lord, I need this, and then we stop. And sometimes... People think, well, you don't need to tell God something but one time because he already knows it and no sense bothering him by keeping on praying. But the truth is, the Bible says keep on praying. I want you to look at verse 7. and I'll read verses 7 and 8. He says, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, the way it's written in the Greek, it literally says... Keep on asking. It says, keep on asking, it will be given to you. Keep on seeking it, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. That's the original Greek is the idea of keeping on doing something. So he's not saying, you know, ask for something once. He's saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And so we can ask for things for ourselves. We can ask for things for others. We can do all of that. First Thessalonians says, rejoice evermore, pray without what? Without ceasing. In Luke 18, 1, he says people ought to always continuously pray and not faint. He says just keep on praying. In James chapter 5, he says the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we're to keep on praying. In fact, think about this. Keep on asking so we can receive. Keep on seeking so we can find. Keep on knocking so we can have the abundant life. So prayer is any place, anytime, anywhere, about anything, and we just keep on praying. So Jesus starts off by saying, look, just keep on asking. It will be given to you. Keep on seeking. You'll fun. Keep on knocking. It'll be open because everyone who keeps on asking receives. Everyone who keeps on seeking finds. Everyone who keeps on knocking, it will be open. Spurgeon said this. He said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Andrew Murray said this, the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism. Prayer is a key. And we're to keep on praying. And so he says, keep on asking, it'll be given to you. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, it will be open. And he says in verse 8, for everyone who asks, gets, you receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, it will be open. Now, so the bottom line is you keep on asking because you're going to get. You keep on seeking because you're going to find. You keep on knocking. And so when you ask, you get the answer. When you seek, you find the truth. When you knock, it, you get, it's open. The door is open. It's really abundant life. And now you have to remember this, that uh, we taught this in our prayer, in our study on prayer in the grow groups, is sometimes when you ask, when it says you get it and you do, the answer may be no. And that's ultimately better for you. You may not think that. You say, oh, Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this. So you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking, and he gives you the answer. And the answer is no. And you go, well, he didn't give me, he didn't give me the right answer. No, he gave you the right answer. He, you received. It just wasn't the answer maybe that you thought you needed. But the truth is, he knows what's best. 
And sometimes we want something and we think it's so important that we get it. And God says, you know, you want that, but that's not what's best for you. One of the great truths from the Bible is found in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, where it says, well, if we ask anything according to his will, he gives that to us. Now, a lot of his will is found in the Bible. Some of it you can't know. You know, you ask for something you have no way to know. You say, Lord, I, this, is, this is what I'm asking for, and, and I just have to trust you, and I hope it's a yes, but if it's a no, I understand. If it's a wait, I understand. So he says, everyone who asks, you get the answer. It may be yes, no, or wait. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, it will be open. I saw this on a on the website on a, on a website. It was a sign in front of a church that says, "When your knees knock together, kneel on them," and that's really true. And the bottom line is, we got to keep coming to God in prayer about everything and anything. Anything that you want to talk to Him about, that's what prayer is. It's talking to our Heavenly Father, and you can come anytime, any place, anywhere about anything. And let me just raise this question: Is then why is it that He says, "Seek"? Seek, ask, knock, and you're going to get it. Why? I can, how do we have confidence that God will answer our prayers? Well, the bottom line is, he's our Heavenly Father. That's why. Listen, we're not just out here. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you were born into the family of God. You became a child of God, Roman, uh, for, uh, First Romans 1.12, as many as received John 1.12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Children of God, even those who believed on his name. So think about that. We're, we're children of God. And we have a heavenly father who loves us beyond what we could imagine. And if you think about your own kids or you think about your grandkids and you look at them and you love them and you say, oh, I'll just do about anything for them. I, well, I just love them so much. We, we don't even love them as much as he loves us. We can't even comprehend the love that God has for us. I mean, we think, man, I love, sometimes we think I love my kids too much or I love my grandkids too much. We think, no, you, we're not even in the ballpark with God loving us. It's just beyond what we could imagine. And so when we say, lift up your request to your heavenly father, how is it that we know that he's going to, to, to answer or that he's going to give us what's best? Well, the point is this. If as earthly parents, if we as earthly parents give to our children, how much more? our heavenly father. And what he's going to do is go from the lesser to the greater. The lesser is us. He says, if we lesser give to our children, how much father, the greater one will give to his children. So look, he starts off with the lesser. That's us. Look at verse nine. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? He won't give, listen, your kid can say, can I have a, can I have that biscuit? Can I have that piece of bread? Can I have that piece of toast? And you say, oh, yeah, and you give him a rock. You wouldn't do that. You say, oh, no, I would never do that. No, if my kid wants a piece of toast, I give him a piece of toast. I mean, you know, if they want that. And so then, and then he goes and says, or if he asks for a fish, you will not give him a snake, will you? Would you do that to your child? Can I have a piece of fish? And you have a, yeah, here, here's a snake. Throw it at you. And you'd go, no, you would never do that to your child because you love them so much. And if they wanted something to eat, you'd give them something to eat. The point is this, that if children, if we, who we are, will give to our children, what about our heavenly father? Because that's what he does in verse 11. He says, if then, if you then being evil, that's us. And, and you hate to say it, but the truth is, we did a, we just, we've been doing a study on Wednesday nights. It's called 412 Christian Life. And we talk about the fact that we're evil. I hate, we hate to say that, but even as fallen people, there's still a part of us that's evil. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 7, he says, I find this principle that the one that wants to do good, that's us, 
there is evil in us. It's called the flesh, the sin, the bent to do wrong. So we're evil. And so when, when Jesus says it, he says, if you then are evil, we're, we're, we're evil, we're falling short of God's glory. If we know how to good gifts, give good gifts to our children, that's the lesser, then here's the greater. How much more our Heavenly Father? If we would do good to our kids what will our heavenly Father do for his kids? That's us. Look what he says. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? The heavenly Father. Wow. You can come to him anytime, anywhere, any place about anything. You never have to be embarrassed. You may say, Lord, I think I've said this before, like this is the hundredth time I ask that. That's okay. Come anytime, anyplace, anywhere. He loves us beyond what we can imagine. It's beyond what we can imagine. And so how much more will a heavenly Father who is perfect and righteous, how will he give? And notice what it says, who in heaven, who will give what is good to those who ask him. And you may say, but, but I asked for something and he gave me a no. And God says, but that was good. That was what was best for you. You thought this other thing was best because you're limited. You're, you're finite, and I'm infinite. I'm God. I know everything. And when you ask for something, what's really good is you get a no answer there. And then sometimes there's yes answers. And sometimes there's just wait answers. And so he says God answers in the best way. He always does it. It's always the best. We don't always know what's best, but our Heavenly Father does. So God answers prayer. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, because he will answer, because our good Heavenly Father gives to his children, and so we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So how are you doing? Are we coming to the throne of grace? Are we coming to God the Father? Or he is our Father. He loves us. And you know what he really wants? He wants you and me to come to him and talk to him and ask him and and tell him everything that's going on in our lives. You know, when you have teenagers, and you pick them up from school or something, and you say, how was your day? Fine. What did y'all do today? Nothing. You, everything going okay at school? Fine. They don't talk. What we want them to do is talk to us, right? We want them to tell us everything. So what about our Heavenly Father? He could say, how y'all doing? We're going, fine. We're fine. We're not. We're not. We need to come boldly to the throne of grace. We need to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. We need to just keep on coming. He will give good to those who ask. And so let us come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. Wow. Keep on, keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Because if we, as fallen human beings, know how to give good things to our kids, think about the perfect heavenly father what he'll give to his kids I saw this the other day there was a sign on a principal's office that said in the event of fire or earthquake the ban on prayer is temporarily lifted and it's true because we've been told you can't pray but you can we can pray anytime anyplace anywhere about anything now from this we go to a famous verse that we've all heard and it's how, do we, how, how are we to deal with other people and it's called the golden rule and you know what the golden rule is. Everybody says it. Look at the next verse. He says, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophet. So he actually says, in the same way. Now, here's what I want you to do. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. That's famous. People call that the golden rule. And it's really a summary of how do you get along with people. And the bottom line is going to be love. 
bottom line is love. You, you want people to love you and you want to love other people. How do you want people to treat? However, he says, however you want people to treat you, you treat them. Basically, we'd say do unto others as you'd have them do to you. That's how we translate it. We love our friends. We love our family. But what about those we don't like? What about our enemies? At, at this time, the rabbis had a, kind of a famous teaching, but it was from more the negative. It, size, it said, do that to no man which you hate. Jesus turned it around and said, do good to others as you'd want them to do to you. Jesus did it in a positive way. How do you do? How do you want others to do? How do you want to do? Think about this. Are we kind to other people? Do we show love to other people? Do we respect other people? Do we help other people? Are we understanding to other people? Do we look for what's good in people? See, if we want people to like us, we want people to treat us fairly, we want people to think we're okay, we want people to look at the good in us. Whenever something goes wrong, we want people to say, oh, I know you didn't mean to do that. That's how we want everybody to treat us, but is that the way we treat other people? We need to treat them in the way we want to be treated. It is a fallen world. It's already bad enough. I mean, think about the fallen world, and we are believers. We are different. We're lights in the midst of a crooked generation. We're the ones that are supposed to live in such a way that let our light shine so that it'll glorify our Father who's in heaven. We're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. And so we, as, as the Corinthians were doing, they were biting and tearing each other to pieces. And sometimes in churches, people chew each other to pieces. Let me tell you, we got to love one another. It starts here. And then when we go out into this world, we need to treat other people in the same way we'd want to be treated. Because what all that will do is because the world doesn't think that way, when we do that, they will say there's something different about those people. Jesus said they'll know that you belong to me by your, what? Love one for another. That is the key. How do we treat others? Sometimes we're mean to them. We overlook. We take them for granted. Then we get upset when somebody overlooks us or takes us for granted. I had a friend. His name was Bo Carter. name is Bo Carter. He's still alive. He's my friend. He used to be the sports information director for the Southwest Conference when there was a Southwest Conference. He then became the sports information director at Mississippi State when I was coaching there. And he was one of the greatest, he is one of the greatest guys I've ever known. He uh, does different things now, and I follow his Twitter, and he and I talk occasionally. But when he was the sports information director at Mississippi State, you could go in there and say, hey, Bo, I need some help. And no matter what he was doing, he'd always stop to help you. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if right in the middle of something, he'd say, just, just okay, and he'd always help you. And we'd say, you know, Bo's always there. How do we treat other people? What do we want other people to do? We want to treat people like we want to be treated. He always did good to others. And that's the key. Now, watch what he says at the end because it's a little bit strange. In verse 12, he says, And everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is what? The law and the prophets. Now, the law and the prophets is the Old Testament, basically. The Old Testament sometimes was divided into three parts and sometimes two parts. It, it, it was called the Tanakh, the Torah, the Nebim, and the Ketubim. The Torah was the first five books, the Nebim were the writings, of the uh, Nebim was the prophets, and the Ketubim were the writings. So sometimes it was called law and prophets, and sometimes it was called law, writings, and prophets. Jesus here just says, this is the law and the prophets. That's, the, that's basically the Old Testament. What is he thinking about? He says, because this is what the Old Testament taught. Old Testament taught that you treat other people the way you wanted to be treated. 
And they would think of the Torah and look at Leviticus 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. That's the key in the whole Old Testament was to love, to love others, not to be, get revenge, not to hold a grudge. But I would, do you want people to have revenge against you? Do you want people to hold a grudge against you? You say, well, no, then how do we treat other people? And then you think about Romans 13 where, where Paul writes and says, oh, nothing to anyone except to what? To love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And then he lists things like don't commit adultery, murder, and all the things. And then finally he sums it up by saying, it's all summed up this way. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, the whole aspect of the law is to love God and to love others. And if we want to make an impact for Christ, and as Jesus says, the way you want to be treated, you treat others. What do we want to be treated? We want to be loved. What do we do? We love other people. That's the key. So Jesus says, how do you want to be treated? Then treat other people in that same way. So we got to do unto others as we want them to do unto us. Jesus said, love. Love others. They love us. Now we got one other section. And this is what I call the twos. And he's got the two gates and the two trees and the two professions and the two foundations. You know, Jesus was the greatest teacher and he used all kinds of illustrations. And we're going to see this morning the, the two gates. And, and then next week we'll see the trees, professions, the foundations. And if you want to, go ahead and read ahead of time. We'll try to put all that together next week. But look at verse 13 because this is the two gates. And look what he says. Enter through the narrow gate for... The gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. He says, listen, there are two gates enter by the narrow way. Now, let me show you something. He says, the narrow way leads to life and the broad way leads to destruction. Now, I've had people read this. I've had people say to me, now, this means this, that getting to heaven is narrow. It's you got to live just right. You got to live your life. And it's like a narrow way and there's rights and wrongs and you don't want to mess up. And it's narrow. And so you better, you better get on the stick and you better live just right. That's not talking about that at all. It's narrow. And the narrow way is a person. It's not what we do, but it's the person. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's narrow because there's only one way. There's only one way to get to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. And when he says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate that is wide and, and it is broad that leads to destruction, and many go that way. I mean, they go through the big gate, and it leads to destruction. The, the narrow gate is narrow because it's only one way. It is Jesus Christ, and he is the way of salvation. I want you to think about this. The gate is wide that leads to destruction. It's broad. It, think of all the religions in the world. Listen, there's only one way to get to God. That's Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again. He offers us the gift of eternal life. He is the Savior of the world. And when he says, whoever believes in me will never perish but have everlasting life. It's not believes in him and does this too and does this too and does this too. Listen, there's only one way. It's not Islam. It's not Buddhism. It's not trying to be good. There is only one way. There's broad that leads to destruction. There are so many things that people believe that are wrong and it leads to destruction. There's only one way to get to God. It is very narrow. It's narrow because it's the person of Jesus Christ and he is the Savior and it's by faith alone in Christ alone. All religions are man trying to do something to get to God. Narrow is the way because it's Jesus Christ and him alone and it is by faith. 
There are so many people. There are people in this town. There are many people in this town that you can talk to them and try to find out what they believe it will take for them to have eternal life. And it's just millions of different things. Mostly, it's not Jesus Christ. Think about New Age and Hinduism and Buddhism and Confucianism, Islam, humanism, good works, baptism, religions, church rituals. All of those are things that people think you do in order to get to God. And some of them, they think that's narrow. Okay, I'm going to try to live this way and I'm going to be really good. It's narrow because it's one way, Jesus Christ. Look what he goes on to say. For the gate is small. And the way is narrow that leads to life. And the last part of this verse is sad to me. And there are few who find it. You know? There's only one way. It's narrow and it's small because there's only one way. There's only one name under heaven given by which we might be saved. And that is the name Jesus Christ. You realize that there are millions of people in this world who miss Jesus Christ. They, they believe in something else. And that's why he says the gate's small because there's only one, only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. And to have eternal life with Jesus Christ, you trust in him and him alone, and that's how you enter the narrow gate. It's not being good. Jesus is the one who brings us to God, 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. Jesus in another place in John 10 says, I am the door of the sheepfold. That's how you get in. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In this one, he says that there's a narrow gate, and he's the narrow gate. I know most of you in this room, but I hope that there's some, I hope there's not some of you in this room who are thinking, I have to do certain good things, or I have to do certain things, somehow then I can earn my way to God. You can't earn your way to God. We can never be good enough. Jesus is the Savior. He's the only way, and he's the only way, and it's narrow because it's just him. He is the Savior. He died and rose again, and if you will trust in him and him alone, he will give to you eternal life. It's not your goodness. It's just Jesus. So we've got, there's two gates, and we're going to see later there's two trees that deals with false prophets. We're going to see there's two professions that also goes back, Lord, Lord. He says, Lord, Lord, didn't we call you Lord? He said, I didn't know you. That goes back to the prophets to the false prophets. And then there's two foundations, one's upon the rock and one's upon the sand. And we're going to see those. That'll be next time. We'll see how it fits together. So he says, keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Your heavenly Father who loves you is going to give it to you. He says that uh, there's a golden rule, and that's do unto others as, they, as you'd have them do to you. And here about in it by that narrow gate. So let me give you some, some applications to think about. First one is this. Let's come boldly before God making our request. You can come anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Be consistent. Be consistent in prayer. Keep on keeping on. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Be men and women of prayers. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. And with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. First Thessalonians 5, 16. Pray without ceasing. Let's keep going. Keep asking the prayers. Even, even if you say, well, I, you know, I keep asking over and over and over. He said, that's what I want you to do. Our Heavenly Father gives us good things. It's not always what we ask for because we don't know. We think we know. We say, well, I know this will be better. God says, well, what do you know, right? So he always gives us good 
things. We are his children. He is our heavenly fathers. And if we know how to give good things to our kids, you think how much more our heavenly father can give to us. Second thing is let's, let's treat others as we want to be treated. That is the golden rule. As we touch lives for Jesus Christ, let's do that. And the bottom line, the key is to love one another. That's the key to all of this. If we love each other in this room and then we walk out these doors and we love all these people we come in contact with, we're going to be living differently and we're going to be treating people the way we want to be treated and we're going to make an impact for Christ. And then finally, the last thing, let's proclaim Christ as the Savior of the world because he is the only way. The narrow way is narrow because it is the, it, it is the only way and it's Jesus. It's the only way. It's not narrow because it's hard in the sense of like I've got to do certain things. It's hard because it's just one, one way. Jesus is the way. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved except the name Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. As those of us who have come to God through Jesus Christ, through the narrow gate, let's love one another and let's come boldly to the throne of grace.